Good morning. It is Tuesday, July the 18th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Today is the birthday of my oldest son, John David Walt III. I'm so proud of him. I love him so much. Happy birthday, David. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Let's begin today with our prayer of consecration. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, When the conflict is not about the conflict and what it is really about. Our text is Romans 14, verses 5 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. One person considers one day more more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. So, what do people living in Christian community do when they come to a disputed matter and it breaks down into an irreconcilable conflict? They get out their Bibles, stake out the high ground, and play the God card, of course. (laughs) That wasn't exactly the case with the Roman Christians, yet it was close. We all tend to appeal to a higher authority in order to win the day. In today's text, we have the Jewish argument for Sabbath-keeping and the Gentile case against it. Now watch Paul the Jew weigh in. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Paul wants them to be clear about the conviction on which they stand. What Paul is not doing is calling for anyone to compromise on their convictions. He is not looking for some kind of mushy middle compromise from people whose convictions are in conflict. 
Note his play here. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Remember, Paul is not making the mistake so many in our time make, which is to try and devise political solutions to theological conflicts which require untenable compromises against conscience. He actually does the opposite, leading us to think theologically about political conflicts. But even prior to this, though, we must discern if we have a theological conflict or a political conflict. To do this, Paul doesn't begin by trying to bring the parties together. No, he calls them to stand apart with their conviction before God. Watch his masterful approach. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Paul shifts the issue from a dispute between fractured parties to a matter of one's personal relationship with and devotion to the Lord, Jesus. The message? It is God with whom you have to deal. In doing this, he honors their competing convictions, diffusing their division by calling them to stand before God, which is the higher ground of their unity. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. When we find ourselves in irreconcilable conflict over matters of conscience and convictions, we are not apt to work them out directly with each other. We must be brought personally before God, who alone can sift and sort our hearts and minds. We must be brought to a place beyond ourselves where we can recover our sense of what personal lordship means. You saw it right there in the text. Jesus, I belong to you. We must come personally to the place of refreshing our consecration, that we are not our own, that we have been bought with a price, that there are great purposes and designs for our lives which are found most deeply in and through our relationships with each other. Behold, in a Holy Spirit-inspired master stroke of divine genius, Paul takes us to the cross. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. When conflict is high and solutions are low, it is only from this holiest of level ground that we can hope to really find each other again.
And this, my friends, is why the letter doesn't begin with chapter 14, the problem. We needed the full panoramic view of God's mercy first. That's what this is really about. The prayer, Abba, Father, we get the sense that our deepest conflicts are not about our conflicts, but rather about the deep brokenness in our lives. We have all been broken in and through our relationships, and unhealed, we break others in and through our relationships. We need the healing of the cross. We need our salvation to deepen the way beyond a transaction of pardon and into the deep mercies of transforming grace. Lift us out of our conflicted and broken relationships and into your loving presence. Heal us in the deep places. Fit us for relationships with others by forming us in our relationship with you. Holy Spirit, restore us to belovedness that we might become beacons and bearers of belovedness to others, where in embrace we forget even what we were fighting about. Praying in Jesus' name, amen. The question, what are you noticing about Paul's theological wisdom and his pastoral skill? Have you realized that the conflict in your relationships is not really about the conflict, but about the brokenness in the parties? For our hymn today, we're going to sing number 150. It's a Fanny Crosby hymn. It's a long-haul hymn, probably familiar to most of you. All the way my Savior leads me, number 150 in our Great Redeemer's Praise, our seedbed hymnal. We'll sing all three verses. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. 
Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Amen. I love that. I love that hymn. I also love the the hymn tune. Both written in the same year, 1875. Thank you, Fanny Crosby. And thank you, tune writer. Well, that's a wrap for today. It is Tuesday. And you know what that could mean for many of us. It's Taco Tuesday. We, um, we've got work to do today, guys. We've got goodness to spread. We've got love to sow. We've got peace to make. I hope that chapter 14 of Romans is encouraging us about our relationships with each other. They are the key. You know, in John 17, Jesus prayed for us. He said, I pray, Father, that all of them would be one, O-N-E, one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. You see, Jesus is putting the faith of the world. He's putting that in direct connection to the unity of the church. And, and that has to come down to the relationships between Christians. This isn't some big institutional unity. This is they will know we are Christians by our love. This is Jesus who says, you know, they'll know that you're my followers by the way you love one another. In other words, our relationships are the mission. It's really the only apologetic that will matter in the end. Are people actually seeing the witness of Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the love of God the Father? Are they seeing that in and through our relationships? Okay, end of sermon. You got to get on the field. I do too. I'll be looking for you out there. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend, leave us a rating, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall. 